Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Footy in Paradise podcast. Welcome to the Footy in Paradise podcast. Happy Friday, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Footy in Paradise podcast. As always, joined by my co-host, Ben. Ben, how's the week been, mate? It's been a busy week, mate, with uh, the Tuesday game, a fair bit coming out of that one. So uh, with my footy ops hat on, uh, it's been pretty hectic, but uh, it's always a pleasure to sit next to you on a Friday and preview the round's games. Not too many days between games this week. As you said, we've had a Tuesday Anzac Day match straight back into round three of the footy. I'll quickly give a, an overview of this week's contests across the competition. Uh, starting in the men's competition, we have got Port Douglas taking on Central's Trinity Beach up at Port Douglas at two o'clock. We've got the Cairns Saints and South Cairns Cutters at 2.30 and Menunda and North Cairns is our match of the round at 2.30 p.m. at Kazali's Stadium. Over in the Chemist Warehouse Senior Women's Competition, we've got two Twilights matches this week, both being broadcast on Clutch TV. Menunda and North Cairns at Kazali's starting at 5.15 and about a five-minute drive away. Also at 5.15, we've got Cairns Saints versus South Cairns Cutters. Benny, we might start in the men's competition. We will head up the highway first with Port Douglas and Central Trinity Beach. What are you looking forward to in this match? A lot, a lot actually, mate. There is, this should be a great game. Um, look, Central's have, have had a good start to the year. They're playing a strong side, as in that they've got, you know, Josh Hall's playing, Zach Smith's playing. Um, obviously coming against a, a Port that have had a, a cracking start to the year. Uh, I think this is, for Port, this is probably their first big challenge, although North tested them in, in round one. They were they were good enough to get over the line there in front of a home crowd on Good Friday. Uh, last week against Mnunda, they got the job done in the second half. Yet to be overly convincing, um, Port is still finding their way under new coach Petrenko. Uh, so I, I expect this one to be a really close game. Uh, you know, some absolute superstars in it. A, a couple of matchups I want to highlight before we move on. Petrenko versus Morgan. So the two playing coaches up against each other. Uh, so that should be a, a fascinating battle. We, we know Morgan likes to drift forward, um, hits a scoreboard, good for a couple of goals most games. Whereas Petrenko likes a bit of space off the half-back line, likes to see the field and then pick his moments or when to sort of gut run, um, you know, give and go and then hit targets inside 50. So it'd be good to see whether Morgan Isaac tries to play close on him or allows him that space and plays off and tries to hit the scoreboard himself. Uh, the second one, mate, the two big Ruckman. Ethan McCulloch, who for mine is the, the form Ruckman uh, so far. It's still early in this season, but he's had two ripping games versus uh, arguably the, the best Ruckman in the comp, AFL experience in Zach Smith. Uh, so this, this should be great. The two big men going against each other all day long. Uh, I, you know, expect Zach to get the, the majority of, of hitouts you, you'd suspect, but Ethan McCulloch's ability to work the field, his second and third, third efforts around the ground uh, might prove the difference. Plenty of stars on display, and I'm lucky enough to be calling that game, so, so really looking forward to that one up in Port Douglas Saturday afternoon. Uh, Cairns Saints and the Cutters. Cutters coming off a disappointing Anzac Day loss. Uh, short turnaround. Again, a really interesting game. The Saints had a strong win first up before a week off. Uh, interesting clash out at Griffiths Park. Yeah, it certainly will be. Uh, 
tough one for South Cairns. Like you said, short turnaround and they copped a few injuries. So uh, teams are out. I haven't seen Damien Hill listed. I haven't seen James Boyd listed. Uh, but they do pick up uh, Ryan Newhouse from, uh, played 70 games for Fremantle, plenty in the waffle, very experienced for capable kicking bags if he gets quality service. And they know uh, the South midfield is is strong. So uh, still a danger game for the Saints who have had an extended break with the bye. Uh, and so yeah, it, it should be a, a challenging one for South. So I'm sure they'll be up and about. Um, and again, we're expecting a, a close one here as we've seen most of the season in the senior grade. And moving across to Kazali Stadium, our match of the round. Uh, first time we get to see Jared Harbrow for the Hawks, coming up against the North Cairns team that has had a massive win, obviously, on Anzac Day. Uh, really big contest, and as, as we've kind of said in, in yesterday's review of round two, the opportunity to kind of see two of the, the up-and-coming rebuilding sides of the competition. What are your standout matchups in this, this contest? Two, two of the most exciting matchups of the season so far in the, the same game. Jared Harbrow versus Dan Jackson from North. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. He's Dan a bit of an unsung hero, Dan Jackson, hasn't he? He's, he's just racks up the footy, but just does it in a really consistent way. Yeah, averaging 30 touches already this year versus Harbrow. We all know uh, you know, what he's done in the footy world. Plenty of a, uh, AFL experience. Played some quality footy at Broadbeach last year. I'm very fortunate to have him up uh, back in Cairns, his hometown. And it's not just the footy, you know, what he does on the field, it's off the field as well. He's given so much to the Cairns community. So I'm sure they'll draw a really big crowd out. Uh, I think if Dan Jackson can break even in that contest, then then the Tigers will take that for sure. The, the other one I want to highlight, which it's it, Shocks me that this isn't the major matchup because it's two superstars, Corey Flint versus James Neal. Uh, we've spoken a lot about Neal because he's had such a good start to the year. New club, new, you know, playing uh, in a new look side, uh, but he's just absolutely dominated and, and we've we've shown plenty of his highlights. First is Corey Flint, who's been at the Hawks forever and uh, is, is well and truly proven as a superstar in this competition, uh, played NQ last year and you know he's the most influential person or player on that team at the Hawks so again I think if if Jimmy Neal can break even with Corey Flint then the Tigers um, you know would take that as well but you know two absolutely exciting matchups um, so there's no wonder that's game of the round yeah and two interesting things for me I think both sides of look the Hawks we've seen them all year really fast starts the Tigers are able to bang on goals really quickly and they've had periods in, in games where they've dominated for 30 minutes or so. So that'll be an interesting one in itself. Yeah, two high-pressure teams. Yeah. Um, so expect the tackle count to be right up there. North coming off a short turnaround. I spoke to Coach Jason Tom about it yesterday. He's actually he's not too concerned because um, it's early in the year. Yeah. If this was you know, around 16, 17, then you know, it's obviously a bit more of a concern. So... Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they back up. There's a lot of emotion in that Anzac Day game. Huge win against South Cairns. Uh, you know, we've seen in the past teams struggle to back up after that. So uh, I'm sure there was words of training last night um, to make sure the boys have switched on. Yeah, and the other one for me that'll be interesting to watch is you highlighted Harbrow coming into this Hawks side. He's, he's again where he spends that time. Obviously, he'll, he'll have a fair bit of time around the midfield, but he's obviously renowned as a really damaging ball user off half back. So how much Tommy spends back there, really kind of stabilising the Hawks structure as well will be another interesting one. Uh, moving across to the Chemist Warehouse women's competition, uh, another one that could have been a contender for the game of the round. 
The Saints unfilling their flag. They've had a two and zero start to the year, but against another undefeated team in the Cutters, who've been super impressive. Uh, what are you looking out for in this one? Yeah, well, teams this morning. There's a lot of big outs for the Saints. Yeah. Um, so. Look, that streak is under serious threat this week uh, against a you know, South Cairns team that are up and about. Lance Henderson has got them humming. They've got quality all over the field. And we've spoken about this a few times in uh, the last few weeks about in the women's competition, the ability to break the lines, run and carry is critical in, in getting the ball moving forward and hitting the scoreboard. And South have got that in spades. Um, Isla Matthews, Tatiana Finland, uh, Precious Simeona, like these sort of ladies um, are, are really stamping their mark on, on the competition and uh, you know, expect more of the same against Saints. So I think Saints' defensive pressure will be key here. If they can shut some of those key players down, um, you know, probably a tight tag on Finland you'd think is unnecessary, uh, then... Uh, you know they're, they're obviously they're, they're always a chance of Saints but with some big outs it should be a blockbuster absolutely then over at Kazali Stadium uh, two sides that, that what mightn't have got the win last round but were both very impressive and again haven't seen the teams yet but expecting probably a few changes from Menunda that a few out first up uh, against North Cairns that were unlucky against the Cutters but also very very impressive uh, around the contest and also in the way they move the ball um, from your side of things what are we looking for in this one yeah, look, I think Hawks will bounce back uh, nicely from last week. Uh, you know, they gave Saints a run for their money, but probably didn't play their, their best football. I know they've had a great preseason talking to some of the ladies. Uh, so they'll go in confident that they can uh, get a win against North, who were certainly a, a massive improvement on, on last year. And Luana Healy has really got those girls uh, gelled. And, um, you know, they played, they are probably unlucky last week to, to not get over the top of South Cairns. So, uh, again, mate, we keep saying it, but another tight contest. Yeah. You know, last year there was usually one or two games each round that you're like, oh, this is a blowout. You know, not too much to discuss, but, you know, it's almost every game, which is so good for the competition, both the men and women. Certainly is. And as said on, said earlier, all games in the seniors broadcast on Clutch TV, which is fantastic. So if you can't get to any of the venues, uh, make sure you ch- check out the website, check out the app uh, and join what is Footy in Paradise up here. Into a new segment this week, which we're introducing to the podcast, Food for Thought, and we have a special guest joining us. <laughs> Mmm, food for thought. All right, ready for a new segment this week. Uh, I'm joined here by General Manager of AFL Cairns. Everyone knows him, Craig Lees. How are you, mate? Going well, gentlemen. Uh, so the new segment, we're calling it Food for Thought. And this year, uh, or this week rather, I was going for a long run and got me thinking about our playing coaches and the amount that we have in the competition. So Petrenko, Davey, uh, Jason Tom, Sam Hughes from North, Luke Morgan, and then a, a whole host of assistants as well. Uh, Nick Salter, Lee Staple, Timmy Eldridge, Mark Hall, and Lee McCarthy. Uh, look, I know a lot of those, or some of those aren't exactly, uh, you know, stand in front of the group type assistant coaches, all right, but listed on the team sheet nonetheless. So that makes up over 50% of our head and assistant coaches in our senior competition are playing coaches. So I wanted to discuss the pros and cons of this and, and Lizzie, with your coaching background, you've been around footy a long time, work with the Demons, Coburg, a, a number of different clubs. Uh, I'd like to get your take on you know, the, the influence on the game they have as a player versus the, the tactical decision-making you can have from either being on the field or from the sideline. 
So a few points from me before I throw it to you and Jesse as well to get your comments. I think it's one of those, it's great when it works, but in a high pressure game, when you're down and out in the last quarter, something needs to change, it can be really tricky. And I'm interested to see if teams start to target some of these playing coaches and apply like a high pressure game on a Petrenko and try and limit their ability to see the bigger picture and put them under pressure as an individual player and reduce their impact from a tactical sense. So, mate, what have you seen in the past and over the last few years in our competition and what's your take on the playing coach? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And the last two weeks have been evident that clubs are trying to find their groove a little bit with how that relationship works. We've seen probably North Kansas, the example, where you know they're still trying to find their way through two co-coaches and then the match day coach on the bench to look after rotations. Round one, there was you know six... 6-6 uh, infringements through that game by obviously the, the bench not being organised. So, I mean, there's two elements here. You need to make sure you've got a good bench manager to, to obviously allow that to happen. Someone to look after the rotations, run the moves, because those players you talk about, they're high-level players in this competition. So the question that those football clubs will be asking is, how much value does Aaron Davey add on the field as a player, you know, and what is his goal differential to if Aaron Davey is sitting back coaching with the board and the magnets and looking after the moves you know what's the, what's the weight there in terms of their impact and is that a is that a you know am i in the top 14 top 16 is that a numbers thing or is it more of a influence on the game and leadership on the field uh, more of a feel yeah I agree it's more leadership on the game but the ability to obviously find the moment and be able to still coach is critical as well so you know we see say Aaron and Wes is another example we can work through in a minute you know he's obviously had that massive influence on on the AFL Ken's journey for a number of years. Now he gets out and he's obviously able to see it through a different lens. So, whereas Aaron's probably always been a better player coach because he's got the ability to, you see the way they set up behind the footy, he gets the defenders to squeeze up the ground. He's always instructional coaching, but out there making sure his soldiers, you know, sort of set that press up as well. So again, it's the element of how much is too much as well. Because like you said, if they're targeted and they're having a poor performance, what does that do from their coaching point of view as well? So good bench coaches are critical in this model. Yeah, we look at probably the most successful team in the last decade in our competition, Port Douglas, with the amount of grand finals they've made, you know, six flags, and the man at the helm for most of that was Brad Cooper, who was always on the sideline. Uh, now switching to Petrenko, and what we haven't really seen, or, or at least in my short time, is someone putting a you know a heavy tag on Petrenko or Davy in the half back. They've usually had that ability to uh, play off their man, a bit of have a bit of space, see the whole field, and uh, you know I'd be interested if other clubs are looking at different ways to try and uh, influence the tactical decisions by. Or, 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 applying a, a pressure tag and yeah you might lose a play one of your own players influence on the game but you know it's a bit of a sacrifice there for potentially uh, limiting their ability to coach from the field no absolutely particularly in finals where obviously the stakes are a little bit higher 
Um, you can see that, that being a tactical advantage for some of our clubs. I think one thing that I have seen trending with our coaches, though, in our competition a lot the last few years is there's a lot more systems, you know. So, you know, the way that obviously game day looks is on the back of how you train. So, you know, we see clubs now, you know, their forward stoppages, they're practicing that. When I first got here, mate, there was no system to obviously how coaches play. And Wayne Seacombe's a classic of that. Everything revolves around system and how we set up behind the ball and making sure that our players understand their roles and responsibilities. So it can work depending on how good your week is and your week's preparation. The advantage our coaches have as well to be good playing coaches is that the technology that now we have in the game to be able to obviously watch vision, review vision, show clips. Um, so a lot of the work is done early in the week and then on match day, it's the what ifs, you know, and you should be have they should be having those meetings. What if Aaron gets ta tagged? You know, then it's the response. Well, we throw him forward and we look at breaking the tag. Or what if, obviously, Petrenko is not having the influence he has? You know, do we break the tag by him spending seven minutes on the bench to get us a little bit more of an opportunity to see it through a coach lens? So again, I think where we've gone with our coaches, we've been able to obviously provide technology which is you know help that coaching and and be able to enable our coaches to be better prepared week on week off to obviously make sure the two hours they're not working through those scenarios that they haven't um, thought through. Extension from this for me beyond just community footy and, and, and through the VFL AFL ranks I think also is, is around that um, we've obviously there's plenty of coaches that are coaching from upstairs up in the coach's box versus coaching down on the bench and um, to me a lot of it, it is replicable here in community footy is, is what's your coaching style are you someone that is more a tactician that you need to see the way the game's unfolding to be able to read and react Versus are you more of that direct communicator in which case you want to have those conversations, the ability to interact with your players straight away and, and kind of understand your players' mentalities and you know then how to kind of have an influence of them directly in the moment rather than going through a headset down the bench being interpreted through someone to the player. Um, that's interesting in its own case. And then I think the groups themselves. So Port Douglas says you bring up very experienced playing group. They kind of can set up the play behind them themselves, the playing group, rather than necessarily having to have a coach on the field. And obviously that's where North Cairns are looking to go through a journey. A younger group, so having those kind of older heads out on the field that, that can set up and actually directly influence as well has probably been a, a big thing. From your side of things, Craig, obviously being through the AFL system, what have you seen in terms of that being upstairs, that tactician side of things versus directly influencing the players. Yeah, the game's changed a lot in terms of the elite level and it's become the relationship piece. So the players are now spoken to like they're humans, not just footballers, you know, they've actually, what do you see in the game? What's going on? Whereas when my time in the AFL, it was never about engagement, you know, with players. It was literally the coaches seeing it through their lens, maybe a couple of leadership group, you know, players coming in and obviously talking through it. But what you see now is, you know, five gamers like Jake, Bowie having a you know a say on what's going on in the ball movement, the trend, and what he's seeing in the game to able to influence the outcome. You know, one of the players you see at Melbourne on the weekend. You know, he was one of the players that drove that don't sub out. You know, um, Jacob Rui is his name. You know, he kicked three in the last quarter um, because obviously we need that tall. So they changed their decision, and Goodwin yeah. said that in his press conference. So the more players that are obviously seeing the game and understanding the game, which is back to one the relationship, but two the bulk of the work they're 
they're doing from Monday to obviously game day, you know, it gives them empower to make those decisions and see it as well. So that's why, you know, you see Chris Fagan down on the bench because he's just there to try and calm the relationships, you know, to just talk through the players, keep their head in the game because the art of psychology is obviously even bigger in footy now than it ever was. So. Yeah. Uh, from both of your perspectives, um, we touched on before, I guess, the, the strength of the coaching group. It's not just the senior coach, but the coaching group. Uh, and it allows probably in this sense to have a playing coach if you've got those trusted assistants, trusted bench managers. Uh, if you're giving advice to potential assistant coaches or those looking to progress in the coaching rank, um, what would you kind of be your key thoughts? Are? Okay, well, from an off-field perspective, if I want to provide assistance to a, a playing coach or I maybe want to transition from being a, play, a pure player into a coaching role, what are the kind of things that you should be looking to develop straight away, I guess? Oh, again, you know, and you've got to have that ambition to want to do that as yeah. well. I feel that a lot of coaches at community level, it's not AFL cans, but I've got a good lens on what happens in Australia is they get into coaching for the wrong reason. You know, it might be a gun player that obviously is an A grader that they're like, well, you should go into coaching because you're a gun player and they haven't formed their philosophies. They don't understand the relationship piece, the trademarks not set of who they are and, and their understanding of the game. So for anyone that's aspiring to be coaching, I'm really big, and this is just my personal posi position, and I have the whole way through influencing others, is giving back to the game. I really feel that, you know, a, a Lee Staple, and we see him involved with the juniors, not just the seniors, over the last three or four years, that's where it starts, you know, is that ability to obviously try and understand, you know, what the what makes kids think, you know, and obviously how you can influence their, their footy understanding and style. And then, obviously, you've got to then start to really hone in what, what your strengths are as an individual. So, you know, each person's got fantastic fundamental strengths that will make them a different coach to the next person. And I feel a lot of people go away from what their strengths are and why they should be a really good coach. So uh, philosophies are the key. You know, what do we look like? How are we going to play? How does that make up? And all that stems back to the individual's values, to the culture they can create. So if you can get that fundamentally right, the rest of it obviously is just the match day stuff that everyone's comfortable with. You know, I know how to set up drills. I know how to teach stoppage works. You know, positioning. Everyone's been ex exposed and understands the game so you know for me it's the trademark the values your philosophy that obviously makes that coach really really work certainly food for thought fellas and at the end of the day look it's it, you know it's great to see out you know Petrenko, Davey, Hughes, Tom, Morgan, Seacom, yeah. Bash like all these blokes in our competition um, providing great service, whether it's on or off the field. Totally agree. The classes never, and I've said this on record, we've never had the high caliber coaches in this competition ever that we have this year. So it's fantastic. And, and what I'm loving the most about what every single one of them is, is there's a real lens on the juniors. You know, it's a, how do we bring these kids through to obviously create that dynasty like the Lions have with eight premiership players on the back of their juniors. And that's what's gonna make our footy, you know, fantastic for the next decade. And three of those names you mentioned going out against each other this week. So Seekman who will coach off field, he's, he's the coach up in the box or on the bench versus Tom and Hughes that are on field. So an interesting test from the Food for Thought this weekend. Certainly will be. Thank you very much for joining us, Lizzy. We'll get you back to your thousand meetings and phone calls. Um, appreciate you stopping in and uh, we'll definitely get you back on the podcast shortly. Enjoy. Great discussion there with Lazy, uh, a segment that we will introduce throughout the podcast series, uh, talking about some of the interesting elements of footy that are obviously sometimes can be those those bar discussions, but we really want to dig deep into it up here on the podcast uh, and with some special guests. 
We do have some contenders for our Cairns Total Physio Goal of the Year and our Height and Security Mark of the Year. Uh, cracking, I guess, submissions this week. Jimmy Neal's Goal of the Year contender. We touched on the podcast a little bit. He probably had a few options inside, but regardless, uh, that running ability to kind of break from the contest and then at a really key moment in the match, kind of seal it for the Tigers was really impressive. Oh, if he doesn't kick it, he gets dragged um, and probably shouting the team beers afterwards. But... Uh, look, he nails it, and after running 130 odd metres across the field in the dying moments of the fourth, then probably deserves the opportunity to go for glory. And well done to him. Absolutely, and check out our social media accounts, uh, both the Cairns uh, Total Physio Goal of the Year and Height Security Mark of the Year contenders are on our platform. So check it out. Uh, the last thing that that we will touch on, kind of before we wrap up today's episode. Obviously, we are looking to to kind of go through some stories of, of what our clubs are doing in the space. Uh, keep an eye out again on the social media platforms over the next few weeks. Uh, Mananda Hawks are the side that we're going to feature first, catching up with Wayne Seatman uh, to, to kind of talk through the journey and where the club's been over the last couple of years and what he's looking to do. Uh, so again, keep an eye out on the social media platforms. But Ben, big weekend of footy ahead. Uh, Plenty of action on any final words before we kind of look to go into what will be a really exciting weekend of footy. No, it's just head out and catch the games. You know, you, you can't go wrong this weekend, whether you're up at Port, out at Griffiths Park or here at Cazales for match the round. So um, head out, should be nice weather and quality games of footy. Excellent. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We will be back early next week to recap uh, the exciting action across the weekend. Everyone enjoy your weekend uh, and enjoy footy in paradise. This podcast series will take our listeners through the latest news, results, stats and exciting matchups across the AFL Cairns competitions. This podcast contains the thoughts and opinions of our presenters and isn't necessarily represented across the organisation.